with a different taker That's what makes our show great It's Sports Week Podcast It's Sports Week Podcast Hello everyone and a big welcome to the Sports Week Podcast Big show for you this evening on the agenda, we've got Sinners and Winners of the Week, our World Cup review, a brand new AFL segment, boys, plus the return of the world-famous Top 3 Nilo. That's on tonight's show. Can you believe it? Cannot wait, and can't believe we've made episode 15 as well. Congratulations, we boys. We have. How are you, by the way? Not too bad. Yourself? That's the way. Yeah, I'm hanging in Looking there, mate. Good. 15 episodes, Daniel. Who would have thought it? Solid effort. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> have thought it, to be honest with you. When you said welcome back uh, to the world famous, I thought you were going to uh, mention Damo. So welcome back, Damo, after a Damo. Week, week out. Welcome yeah, back. welcome back, Damo. Thanks, boys. I have to be honest, when, when uh, Liam mentioned the world-famous top three, I was thinking, what, top three Palmers in Melbourne? Am I missing <laughs> out on something? Is there something, you know, I'm not across, but... Um, the anticipation is killing me, so uh, let, let's move along with it and we'll find out. We will, we will. So plenty to get through this evening, fellas. But to kick off, as always, it's everyone's favourite segment, Sinners and Winners. I'm going to chuck the new ball to old mate Damo tonight. Damo, take us away. Jeez, uh, under pressure there, boys, but we'll see what we can come up with. So I've got a couple of sinners from the Sporting Week this week, uh, boys. Um, okay. So the first sinner is um, Melbourne Rebels number eight, um, Amanaki Mafi, if I've got that right. Uh, oh, are you boys uh, familiar with his work? It, Can't no, say I'm familiar no, with his work. <laughs> He's the Rebels number eight. And I don't know if, if uh, too many of you guys follow uh, Union, but um, the Melbourne Rebels are mm-hmm. obviously the yep. team here in Melbourne. And, and right. they're actually in line for finals this year for the first time in Forever, I mm-hmm. think. I think it could even be their first time in in the finals of that competition. Right. Um, they had a game on the weekend, and it ended up with a couple of the boys in the team hotel having a few drinks after the game. Got down to the two of them. They happened to get into a punch on, and and the oh. end, teammates. Yeah, teammates. Ooh, so shit. the end result is um, old mate Murphy's actually been arrested with assault arrested intent and oh my um, put in the slammer. Um, over in New Zealand, it's, it's quite a serious offence. It can actually carry a five-year jail sentence. It was over there, was it? Yeah, and um, he'd only actually just gotten out today. So oh my for that to happen on the weekend and, what was it, Tuesday, to spend a couple of days um, in jail is not the best situation to be in. Speaking of which, I think Brian Lake's back on our shores now, isn't he? Is that true? <laughs> like he made back, it back. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, notice to all, all footballers, don't go overseas or, or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not the ideal prep when you're – your team's in the mix to play finals, and I think that's well worthy of, of the first sinner of the week. Very For nice. Sure. Second sinner, I've actually got two this week, boys. Paul Pogba. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very nice. The man child. Been, been quite a successful week for old mate Pogba. Yeah. Um, but there is such a thing as a bad winner, and Paul Pogba's recent antics of taking the mickey out of the English fans in my opinion, was in bad taste. Especially when you've got to go back there and play football next year. I wouldn't have thought it would be the smartest move to have a crack at the fans you're about to play in uh, front of next year. But True. I don't know. I, I kind of think he probably uh, doesn't have too many plans of hanging around there too long anyway. He probably sees himself uh, headed for Spain or one of those types of teams fairly soon. I would have thought he'd have a fair opinion of himself. And um, Damo's hot tips, I tell you. Yeah, I just think it wasn't the smartest move uh, to make. Um, anyway, 
on to better things. The winner of this week. Now, this is a bit more of a broad winner, not not focused in on any one individual. And this, right. this could actually make everybody on this panel a winner for perhaps the first time ever. Okay. But the average armchair sports fan is my winner of this week. Right. When you okay. have, a, have a look at the week that they have had. So we've got a World <laughs> Cup final. Yeah. We've got the AFL, NRL. Uh, we've got the soccer World Cup happening. Mm-hmm. We've got cycling happening over in Europe. Wimbledon finals, Group One horse racing. Safe to say, things are happening and beer sales are up, boys. So, <laughs> very nice. My winner of the week is your average armchair sports fan. Good job. Uh, on to you, Daniel. Very well put, Damo. Um, I'd have to agree, actually. There's uh, just an array of things to choose from at the moment. Uh, I'm going to actually start with my sinner, and surprise, surprise, it's World Cup related, so obviously uh, a bit worse for wear, although I did actually witness uh, my cryats come in second in the World Cup. Uh, it'll probably be no surprise that I've actually sinned VAR and the World Cup final referee, Nestor <laughs> oh, no, Pichana, for that first half performance. So, oh, look, honestly, VAR was introduced to assist with the clear and obvious, and it was meant to be a quick and concise. What we saw instead was the ref reviewing a handball for what felt like around about 15 minutes. If it takes the ref that long to make a decision based on watching a replay, is the incident really that clear and obvious? I think personally VAR can be a really, really good thing, but it does need a lot of tweaking, so get it sorted, FIFA. Uh, clear and concise, my uh, sinner of the week. Just wanted to pause. I'm, I'm assuming you thought it was a good thing in the uh, A-League grand final there, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, probably my winner that week. Swings and uh, roundabouts. <laughs> swings. I have some very strong opinions on that. I'm going to save it till the World Cup. We're going to touch a lot on Daniel's Croatia in the World Cup coming up soon for those uh, waiting with bated breath to hear Daniel's thoughts I'm on the World Cup I'm going to bite my final. tongue for, for just this moment. There you go. Thank you very much, Nilo. Um, uh, my winner of the week uh, is Mario's... That's my brother, of course, Mario's wife and friend of the show, Tara. Uh, ESPN had over 88,000 participants in the World Cup tipping. Tara Mm -hmm. finished 93rd overall. Wow. Absolutely solid achievement. She won the league of around about 200 participants that my brother was involved in as well. I won't mention where he ended up. Uh, But 93 (laughs) out of 88,000, a nifty $500 into the bank account as well. I was going to say, did she, for that other competition, did she get more than 500 or was it just 500 uh in in the personal uh competition she got the 500 oh, unfortunately okay. nothing for being top 100 out oh, of 88,000 participants it? but nonetheless uh her name uh up in the lights there in the espn official tipping so congratulations tara uh my other quick one uh winner would have to be channing fry of the cleveland cavaliers for his uh reply to a fan after he had recently re-signed with the uh Cavs. uh really is he going to cleveland uh yeah uh, Lakers got rid of him. Yeah, Channing Fry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's actually he's back in Cleveland. Wow, I didn't know. That. Back at there the Cavs. Go. Yeah, uh, he actually posted. Well, I guess this is hello again. And one of the fans actually responded under his picture, get ready to take us to the finals again. <laughs> to which he responded, it's way too early to be drinking. So, Channing Fry, that's a <laughs> quality response to a fan that's a little bit uh, delirious about where the Cavs are going to finish this season uh, and a worthy winner of the week for me. So, I'm going to pass it across next to Liam. Thank you, Daniel. Now, just before I get into my sinners and winners, just piggybacking off the back of what you just said about uh, your brother's partner flying Tara. in the uh, Tara in the tipping comp, yep. we should also make mention, Nilo, that on our World Cup preview show we did before mm-hmm. the tournament started, that I think three or might have been four of the five of us on the panel 
had our best bet and France to win the World Cup. Eight dollars. And for those who played along, they were eight dollars at the start. So for those who got on, they're probably uh, in line now to collect, which is a nice little uh, earner there, Nilo. Did you get on, Liam? I may have had a dollar or two on them, so I was quite happy. I was feeling for our man Daniel with the result, but uh, my bank balance went up, so I was quite happy. I was I was wondering whose Lamborghini was out the front there, boys. <laughs> Thank you, Davo. Now I'll get into my sinners and winners. Now I'll start off with my winner of the week. Now, boys. Do you all remember the famous story a couple of months ago of the horse that wouldn't jump anymore, it wouldn't move out of the barriers? Chautauqua, the Great yes, Flash. Yep. Flash. I do recall that. Just gave up, just stood there when, when the gates flew. Now, for those who don't know, well, at that time it had four trials, Nilo, mm-hmm. and didn't jump in any of the trials, as I'm mm-hmm. sure you know, Damo. Now, the news is, boys, he's had a jump out the other day, and he's not only jumped, but he's won. So Wow. So, so basically now that was an unofficial trial, a jump out demo. He now has to have an official trial on July 23rd before the stewards will clear him back for a race return. But absolute scenes. Could be back in town, Damo. Didn't Tommy Berry come back to ride in I think that he jump did. out? I think it's funny, he did. It's funny how sometimes horses bond with particular, particular jockeys. Jockey, they do. And the Grey Flash, absolute superstar of the turf. So I think it's a rising eight-year-old now, but it'd be great to see him back, um, especially after all the woes that's happened. So great news there for racing fans. Now, my sinner of the week, Daniel. I'm giving to the Adelaide Crows. Oh. I think I've seen them a couple of times now. I did send them on. for their pre-season carrying <laughs> on with the song on the bus a few weeks ago. Two, two in three weeks. But what have I'm, they done now? I'm centering them again. This is for something a little bit different. I'm giving the Adelaide Crows my sinner for the five-year deal they have just given Rory Sloan. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. Great for Rory Sloan. Don't get me wrong. And he's a great player as well. Nothing against him. But for a 29-year-old bloke coming back off such a serious foot injury, I think it's called the Liz Frank foot injury, which has ruined a lot of footballers' careers, to sign him for five years I think is a huge risk and it's paying massive overs if you're the Crows. I think they just got scared thinking they're going to lose another one, all the players yeah. they've lost. Yep. I would have thought three years with maybe even an option for a four if he'd met a certain criteria games. But five mm. years, he's going to be 34 at the end of that deal. Um, Damo, do you agree? I was just thinking I might get his manager to organise my next uh, say, contract yeah. at work there, mate. Uh, next contract a, on the podcast. Yeah, it could be a good, decent pay rise in it there Thought for so. Do you agree with that? Or? Yeah, five years is way too long. Great um, for Rory, don't get me wrong. For sure. But injury prone, 29 years old, how long do you realistically have? And exactly. There's no way he's still going to be playing in five years. As a 34-year-old, he'll still have one season on his contract. Potentially, yes. Is, is it guaranteed? Like, if he decides to retire, say, you know, halfway through the fourth year, do they still have to pay him the whole amount? Well, they or? usually have some sort of exit clause or something, but I would presume it's a five-year set deal. And with all the injuries he's had, like, as I said, he's a great player, Rory Sloan. Don't get me wrong, but I just mm. think that's a huge risk from the Crows. So, that's be very interesting to see how that contract plays out. Now, over to you, Nilo. Last but not least, take us away. Alrighty, um, I'm going to start off positive. I'm going to go with my winner, and my winner this week is Australian poker player Alex Linsky. And oh, mate. the reason why, <laughs> and I'm sure if you've been following our Twitter, the reason why is he made the World Series of Poker final table out of 7,900 or so people, which is an absolute amazing effort. The first Australian to do it since Joe Hashem. Um, so, terrific effort. And he ended up finishing seventh. So, he took home a cool $1.5 million, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. It wouldn't, wouldn't uh, hurt the bank balance, but good on him. And uh, look, he's a good Melbourne boy as well. 
just with that, I actually watched a lot of the final table, Nilo. Yeah. Over the last couple of days, the actual heads up battle when I got down to two, I think it went for about eleven hours straight. Damon, Been fantastic. Two players just head to head till it finished. Ended up not finishing until like six or seven in the morning. Incredible. Uh, and the one took home eight point eight million, which isn't a bad payday. So, great stuff there. It was an incredible heads up. Like, uh, I'll be honest with you, I still haven't finished watching it. And last night, I didn't get a chance to finish watching because I'm about into hour four, I think. Um, and I like to watch most hands. And I, I had to look up the winner, unfortunately. Um, I was going to say as well, Damo, with the uh, with the sports week, you didn't even mention the uh, the poker in there. And that was one of the things I was watching the most. For this week, my sinner is... Croatian striker Nikola Kalinic. Oh, very worthy, Nilo. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the meme going around on Facebook or anything like that, have you? Or? No, I looked, Daniel, yeah, you saw the meme and uh, was really, really annoyed when it did happen, but go on ahead. Go yeah, 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 and I'm sure you probably already know all about it, but um, basically, after the first game, or in the first game of the World Cup, he refused to come on as a sub with five minutes to go. He said no, no deal. Right. And he said that he, he actually left the bench, went back to the rooms and said he was too good of a player and wouldn't come on for five minutes, which is ridiculous. It was above him, uh, below him, I should <laughs> below say. Below him, yeah, below him to come on for five minutes. So after the match, he refused to apologise to any of the coaching staff. He sacked, went on holidays, left Russia, went home, posting Instagram pictures and what have you and because uh, he didn't think Croatia was going to go anywhere. And suck it. He's missed out on a runners-up medal because he was a ridiculous, pedantic little kid. So Couldn't agree more. Little what? Little kid. Give him something more than that. All right. Little. Little. Uh, <laughs> a petulant prick. Let's there you go. go. All right. Thank there we go. There we go. All right. I was just about to say there, Neil. I'm sure that'll keep him up at night after he's been counting his millions of dollars all day long. But anyway. <laughs> hey, you, you can't, you can't uh, buy a World Cup runners-up, unfortunately. Uh, it's one of those Very things true. you can... The time-honoured runners-up medal. There's probably a few on eBay right now. That'd be worth worth having a look into. You can't get paid to play for your country. Well, I mean, you do get paid, obviously, but but nowhere near as much as the pride of representing it. Agreed, Neil. um, Very well said. Yeah, so, all righty. And I think... Moving right along, we've got our new segment, don't we? Well, no, no, no. no, no let's no, no. Uh, pump the brakes there. Yeah, okay. Pump the brakes there. Okay. Yeah, I'd prefer What's to actually uh, take the reins here and swing into something else. Uh, as you guys would have noticed, there's there's been a few word associations happen in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we We've just been thinking that it could just be your turn, Nilo. So <laughs> My turn. Oh, I, no. I'm going to actually uh, take control over here. I'm going to throw some names at you. Oh, and no. you are allowed your response in form of, look, I'll give you even up to a sentence. So, up to a sentence? Up to Ooh, a sentence. Hello. Uh, now, I'm going to mention a few names. You have to tell us the exact first thing that comes into your mind and when you hear this. A bit of passion this. we want to hear, Nilo. We want to hear your exact thoughts, uh, unfiltered. Uh, we, we can edit right. it out. Uh, we can beep across it. So well, you, you can edit it out, Neil. <laughs> did, hey, I'm boys. giving myself work. If I <laughs> did, did Peter Co- Riccardi get a run or Peter Riccardi? <laughs> Peter Riccardi. Uh, Gary, Gary Hawking. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell, indeed. So, Neil, are you ready? Yes. All right. Your first one, Fernando Torres. Trader. Trader. Second, Steve Smith. Unlucky. Unlucky. Well, Unlucky. Interesting, uh, interesting response. Well, he didn't uh, know what was going on. No. <laughs> I think he did. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> he didn't know to the extent, though. Number three, Conor McGregor. Cocky. He used to be my favourite fighter, but now I'm getting a bit turned off him after seeing with uh, with the president Putin. 
Oh, you don't like that? No, Very really. <laughs> not great. <laughs> All right, next on uh, Brian at BT Taylor. <laughs> wow, <Wow-wee>. wow, <Wow-wee. laughs> exactly. That's my word. Kevin Sheedy, legend. Legend. Virat Kali. Face. Very nice. Next. Louis Suarez. Superstar. Old Chompers. <laughs> Definite superstar. Um, Tom Brady. Cheetah. 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 <laughs> Mo Salah. Hero. Hero. Excellent. Uh, Jimmy Bartel. Ugly. <laughs> ugly. <laughs> no. Can you give us a bit of background there? Why, why would you say ugly to Jimmy Bartel? Because no, I think he's my wife's favourite player and uh, every time he comes on the TV, she might, get a little, she might get a little bit distracted, <laughs> might uh, tune out of me and tune into him. So Thank you, Ash, for <laughs> uh, well contributing that one. Uh, next up, Archie Thompson. Archie Thompson. Da, 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 da. Um, legend. Next, Alistair Clarkson. Angry, angry man. Lewis Hamilton. Smug. Smug. <laughs> Ange Postacoglu. Quitter. Quitter. Yes, he's a quitter. Hayden Ballantyne. Little prick. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. Uh-oh. Greedy cut. Neymar. Absolute disgrace. <laughs> Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo. Pretty boy. John Cosmina. Fuck face. <laughs> and I'm going to go the, the last one. Sydney Football Club. Absolute f***ing idiots. Jeez, it took Nilo a while to get warmed up there, but he started to <laughs> get into got his got to in, up, in the last 100 metres there. Yeah, I'm upset that I don't ever end another swans? 15 more. 96. Yes, that's a very good point. Remember, it was my 10th birthday. We, I told this story already on the podcast. My 10th birthday was ruined <laughs> forever. <laughs> Terrible stuff. As a plugger. Excellent responses. What are we moving off to next, Liam? All right, thanks for that, Daniel. Now, we'll kick into the agenda for this evening. I think we might as well, off the top, get into the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our man here, Daniel, fair to say his headspace probably isn't great at the moment after his beloved Croatia got flogged <laughs> in the final. Daniel, do you want to give us your reactions of the final, what it meant for you to have Croatia in the final, what it meant to the Croatian community? Do you want to give us a bit of a synopsis on everything? would have been handy to have a hidden camera stuck in uh, Daniel's uh, apartment when that game was on, I reckon. It that could have made for some almighty viewing on the Sportsweek podcast Twitter page. Very, very true. I reckon. Would have been compelling stuff, gentlemen. Uh, look, it, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. I, I've never uh, been in that situation before where Croatia's obviously in a final of that magnitude. Uh, I mean, as I've mentioned a lot of times now, uh, still a very, very young nation. So to make it that far, don't get me wrong, I'm still extremely proud. Uh, but at the same time, well, genuinely gutted at the fact that we got that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have taken it out, but for, in my opinion, some suspect uh, diving, which also uh, resulted to some suspect decisions, or a couple, I should say, in the first half. But nonetheless, uh, France are just a phenomenal, phenomenal outfit. So I, I can't really take too much away from them. Mm. Uh, I guess all I can say is that the game was actually turned on that decision to uh, award the penalty after Sounds the- a bit sour, don't it? Yeah, I of reckon. course. I mean, look, and it's not just me. You mean the I handball mean- you're talking about? 
The handball, yeah. Uh, or, the, or the fact Croatia lost or... <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I don't want to take any, anything away from France because who's to say they could have probably found another gear and, uh, well, popped in another goal in a, in a different way. How can you decline the handball? It was clearly a handball in the box. Like, how, how is that not a handball? So, if you listen to my sin, Anilo, um, <laughs> what, what I actually did state is that <laughs> VAR is there to actually award or change the uh, outcome if it was a clear or obvious m- mistake. So, One thing you mentioned is it took 15 minutes, and that's may- maybe what it felt to you, but in real time, <laughs> it only took less than a minute. Run. It was about, would, about 60 seconds at tops. Interesting. Uh, I, I would have thought you'd understand. And you had to see a couple my, angles. I would have thought you'd understand my humour by now, Nilo. We've been doing the podcast <laughs> for around about <laughs> nine months together. It obviously didn't take 15 minutes. Uh, the obviously, fact is, Perisic I'm... was uh, coming down, and uh, his arm, if he, while he was actually well, coming back down from jumping, was in a natural position and the ball hit his hand. So the reality of it was that if the ref couldn't see it real time and then had to actually go and watch the replay around about 18 times before he could make a decision, then is it really clear and obvious? What about Pogba against Australia? About, oh, sorry, not Pogba, Pogba. Umtiti against Australia. Who... Well, that was an unnatural position to, for his arms to be Yeah, but to the ref at. didn't see that either and he had to go back to VAR. So you're saying that that shouldn't have been a penalty? What? That was clear and obvious is what I'm saying. One question I got, boys: Was there a, a VAR penalty review that was actually denied throughout the whole World Cup? Yes. Was there was a, a handball? There's a one overturned. No, but I mean, like they've gone and reviewed it, and then it didn't end up being a handball penalty. For handball, I off the top of my head, I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. I can't recall any of them. Getting a little bit that, awkward in the studio here between Nilo and Daniel. No, <laughs> my, my point is, don't I'm you don't it. don't you think it's a little bit weird? that in a whole tournament, how many would be sent for a handball review? Like, I'll be honest, I didn't watch um, a lot of the latter part of the tournament because it was just on too late for me. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the earlier games I watched and every single um, handball that was given for the VAR review was, in my opinion, even the one for Australia, was 50-50 at best. Like, I mean, it was, it, you've seen them given, yeah, fair enough, but you've probably seen them not given thousands of times. I think that's where you, you've actually hit the nail on the head. The The reason why I thought it was a clear handball wasn't because technically, according to the letter, it was a clear handball. It was more so the fact that they've been giving them all tournament and to not give it there would have been a disgrace. I mean, you, you even go back no to Australia when Harry Kill got sent off. His hand was directly next to his body, but it prevented a goal. And this was very similar. It actually deviated the ball from a corner. It, it did not prevent a goal, though. The, it, ball, the ball was on the way out. It prevented a scoring. No, it wasn't. It, the ball was on the way out, Neil. Come on. Don't make the popcorn out here. Which, which game were you watching, Here mate. we go. Goodness uh, gracious. Uh, it, it's interesting, though. 99. 0.9% of the world actually believe he shouldn't have been given a handball, but we've got the 0.0001% in this room over here saying that it should have been. A quick visual for our listeners at the moment. As the body language da- between da- these Daniel's, two. Daniel's face is the same shade of red as the <laughs> French flag at the moment. Oh, oh, you could have said the, the Croatian, Croatian flag. flag, I think. <laughs> Nilo's got that smug body language sitting back in his chair. Perhaps, perhaps I said the French just to dig another screw in. But oh. anyway, uh, back to what I was saying, though. Were they given those decisions just to give them? Well, potentially. Maybe it's just to justify the fact that VAR is there. I mean, again, though, the letter of the law is it has to be clear and obvious. And that was not clear or obvious. 
Let's get off VAR, though, for one second. Let's just talk about in, in total. Are you saying here, Neil, like you think there might be a bit of uh, sour grapes here from old mate, not just copping the loss on the chin? Is that what you're getting at, or...? Oh, Don't backpedal no, now. Not, not really. Not really. I just think that, that it could have been rose-coloured glasses when looking at that Oof. decision. And if it was a if it was a neutral side, it may have been a different view. But. To, to play to play the other side of the fence, though, I mean, one of the goals was an own goal, so you could look at that yeah. to some degree of bad luck. Yeah, um, and Can then just also then, then the penalty there. Then then that takes mm. it back to two all. Yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, when uh, Griezmann did actually dive to win that free kick, which resulted into the own goal. So, he did dive. Uh, There was another ball on the pitch. So, technically, (laughs) technically, that (laughs) free kick should have actually been rolled back to be taken again because there was another ball on the pitch. It was about two centimetres on, I reckon, just over half the ball ball was on. And he reckons it should have been. Weren't you just arguing letter of the law? No, I, I have seen in Premier League where there was a what was it the uh, the ball that flew on for Liverpool letter of the law nearly the the big uh, blow up ball that flew on and the beach ball yeah beach ball stuffed up Liverpool yeah very uh, bad just quick news flash boys I've just got the agenda for the uh, diving championships coming up uh, in a few months time we've got the French national team we've got Neymar <laughs> we've got Alex Rance um, should be a, should be a pretty good competition yeah, there close boys. competition eh it will actually go. no but look all in all uh, to answer your question um, I'm, I'm definitely still very very proud of their performance as you should be making the final it is no, a great effort. oh definitely so look yeah. to actually make it that far but then at half time I guess uh, what, what I'll always remember is the fact that Croatia had 60% possession and seven shots. Mm -hmm. The French had 40% possession, obviously, with one shot. Mm -hmm. One shot, and they were up. Two one and a half times. Yeah. So, look, that's where I am a little bit uh, uh, sour about it. But at the same time, I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm extremely proud of uh, of what Croatia accomplished in For the World sure. Cup. And no doubt that they made it a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Saying that, though, going back to the seven shots of those, I think at the end of the game they did the tally and there was only three shots on target from both teams. So, Croatia were having the shots, but they weren't on target, unfortunately. So, Weren't they having a lot of shots from a long way out too, though? No, not really. Uh, the, uh, the French actually scored two goals from outside of the box, Mbappe and Pogba, Pogba I should say. What a goal uh, from Mbappe. Mbappe's goal was really good, but at the same time, uh, I do believe Croatia's keeper, Sebasic, should have actually saved probably even both of them. Yeah. Uh, so, look, rumour has it that he's been playing with that torn hamstring ever since the Russia game. But oh, wow. I'm not going to use that as an excuse because Croatia's got the option to obviously p- play their backup goalkeeper. So, if they're silly enough to go with him for whatever reason uh, and he can't really play to his best ability, then we got to cop that one. Now, I'm sure our listeners want to hear how your night was for the World Cup final, because we did talk about this last week. Yeah. Do you want us to run us through how much uh, liquid courage you might have drank during the <laughs> night and uh, I, I how heard, did it go? I heard Dan Murphy's share prices spiked by about 9% <laughs> uh, in Daniel's Lame area. Well, let's well hear. this is actually going to uh, shock a few, a few people. I, I didn't drink. Oh, boy. I actually drank through the day and then passed out before the World Cup, so I had a three-hour nap and got up, and I, I needed to actually get my uh, still drunk. Get my focus uh, <laughs> up and about, so I actually had a coffee to watch the rest of the game. Uh, but nonetheless, the nerves were actually well putting me in another dimension. In any case, so look, it was an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Again, I, I can't stress it enough. Uh, extremely proud of the uh, performance by the Croats. But again, we should actually mention a little bit about France because they are an exceptional, exceptional outfit. And that's why I actually picked them uh, at were the they beginning $8. of the comp. They were $8.50, That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing about France as well, 
they I think in every single game, I don't think they really blew anyone's socks off through the entire World Cup, but they lifted when they needed to and they mm-hmm. they they rose to the occasion whenever they whenever they were like equal or behind or whatever they lifted, they did what they needed to and it was surprising because it, I felt like this World Cup there really wasn't a team that just dominated, dominated. and mm-hmm. you know it was fantastic. But France when they needed to they lifted, and uh, I think that was that was a sign of a very, very good team. Am I alone, or are they just so easy to dislike, though? Like, <laughs> or is that just because I don't like Paul Pogba? Like, <laughs> I think that actually uh, would be half of it. But to your point, uh, Nilo, as well, there wasn't one specific team which blew everyone away, but what I actually agreed with was the synopsis that Croatia were actually the team of the uh, group stage, they were, and yeah. France were the team of the knockout stage. So True. Uh, it was kind of fitting that them two met in the final, uh, and France potentially showed a little bit more uh, during the knockout stage as well than what Croatia did in the group stage. True, so, true. look, again, I think 4-2 was a little bit of an unfair scoreline because they actually uh, well smashed Croatia on the counter-attack on a couple of occasions. But nonetheless, uh, look, all, all credit to France. Uh, again, quality outfit and, um, yeah, congratulations to them. And before we move away from the World Cup, we should mention, Neil, we should definitely mention that today, this being Tuesday night, they were recording it, that the great man himself, Tim Carl, has hung up the boots. Yes. Today, his international career, I should say, not his club career, but he's hung up the boots for Australia today. What a career, Neil. I know you'd have something to say about that. What a ripper. I mean, it, not many people in the world can say they've been to four World Cups. I think you can count them on two hands from memory. And and, uh, good and scored on him. at three of them, I think. Is that I right? I think scored at three mm-hmm. of them. And absolutely sensational. And, uh, you know, what, what a player will definitely miss him playing for Australia. Well Never said. ever would miss him playing for Melbourne City. I have to say, Tim Kale's <laughs> scored just from my own personal memories two of the best goals that I could say that I've nearly ever seen. The one against Holland, the the game, yeah, yeah. the goal in the World Cup against Holland. That You're was going to say the Melbourne derby as well. Fantastic, eh? and yes, I might. Oh yes, I remember going to Etihad Stadium one night and uh, watching watching the derby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there may have been a few members of the Sports League <laughs> podcast. You think you may have been game. with him? You behaved like an absolute buffoon <laughs> that night. From what I remember, you took my Melbourne victory scarf off my neck and you actually threw it in the nearest bin. So. <laughs> <laughs> Back, back, back to the subject yeah, at hand. Uh, <laughs> Timmy Cowell scored a ripper that night. From the night, centre square. Which was, which was quite good to see. But, uh, yeah, great career. Great career. Now, boys, before we move off soccer, huge news today in the A-League, actually. Heard this. We think we've all probably heard it by now, but for those who haven't, uh, it looks like Usain Bolt, I'm laughing as I'm even reading it, <laughs> Usain Bolt is going to sign for the Central Coast Mariners in the A-League. I six believe week it's trial, a six-week six week six trial, week trial to the view of being stage. signed. Yeah. Now, my immediate thoughts when I read this was I looked at the calendar to see if it was April the 1st. Um, <laughs> what an absolute joke that is what and just circus. laughable for the A-League. A couple of things on it, just from my own point of view. Probably the biggest thing, Daniel, you're the biggest A-League fan I know. If he's, Probably the biggest issue with it is, A, it's a gimmick. Yep. And... You look at gimmicks, how that's worked, even say in AFL with like Carmichael Hunt, yeah. Israel Folau, it doesn't terrible. work. But even more so, if he was to succeed and yeah. play well, it makes the A-League look even worse to think how bad's the standard if a bloody bloke who's just a sprinter can come in and dominate in the league. Never know. Now, now with that as well, probably it couldn't even be worse time for the A-League when it was only a few days ago for those who were following it on Fox Sports, Daniel, that they were so close to potentially getting Fernando Torres to come to the A-League to play for Sydney FC, which would have been massive, absolute household name in, in world, world um, football. Yep. 
They've gone from getting Fernando Torres to Usain Bolt. Daniel, give us your reaction. I, I just want to jump in there for two seconds because I'm pretty sure I know what Daniel's reaction mm-hmm. will be. And I just want to play devil's advocate for one second mm-hmm. and just point out a couple because I was actually going to bring this up later mm-hmm. in the in the show. Um, yes, it could potentially be that, but in regards to a gimmick, he's a lot higher profile than Carmichael Hunt or Israel yeah, he Flower. Is. He is. And you know what? At least it's a statement of intent from that league that, yes, we're going to get bums on seats and we're going to get corporate sponsorship. We're well, why is it going to get bums on seats? Mate, I'd pay to go watch you Sam pay. I'd pay, pay to go watch a, him run. Watch, watch a game. Not dribble a soccer ball. No, he doesn't I, know how to do it. I, I wouldn't pay generally for a ticket to go to that. But what, what Strongly you go anyway. So what, what they need to do is, in my opinion, is is reach out to a new audience and get new people <laughs> attending their games. And it's a statement of intent. It'll get if corporate sponsorship. If you want a statement of intent, sign a fucking big-name soccer player. Correct. They, they can't get them. <laughs> they can't get them because there's no nah, money there. Totally like, disagree. The, the player they're now looking at, as opposed to Fernando Torres, is Crouchy. Like, what? what's that all about? I think it's probably the most laughable story I've ever heard in how many years the A-League's going. But well, very I, I think it's good. But anyway, on to Daniel, because I, <laughs> I know he's going to tear me to shreds, so I just thought I'd get, get in, in there first. before I could. Fair enough. Uh, absolutely absurd, Damo. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how you can throw that one out there. Um, look, to be honest, as Liam said, obviously we missed out on luring Fernando Torres over here for reasons unknown. Maybe we can't offer him enough money or anything along those lines. I understand that, yeah, look, might get a few uh, bums on seats, as you actually mention it, but the objective is to grow the game from grassroots. How are people going to actually mm. grow? How are we going to make it to the next World Cup? How are we going to actually do anything in the next World Cup? Usain Bolt is not going to play for us in the World Cup and surely we have better talent to go to as a, a side from Usain Bolt. I'm, I'm not actually surprised by it, which is the funny part and probably the most sad part. Australian football mm. is simply run by morons. So one of these things actually happening or something along these lines happening is actually not surprising to me, which is probably the most sad part about this entire little circus that they've got going on now. Uh, we've got Victory that are trying to actually poach Honda from Japan, who's a quality player, he's played in Europe as well, which is fantastic to see. But my inkling is that they're going to miss out as well because they haven't got enough money, even as an A-League marquee. So the A-League actually throwing in money to try to get him as well. What they're wasting their money on is getting Usain Bolt over here to play for the Central Coast Mariners for six weeks. It is absolutely absurd. Uh, again, how is this going to help the A-League as a whole? And is it really going to help our nation qualify for 2022 World Cup? They've lost it completely. Perhaps we should look at bringing Conor McGregor into the league in four <laughs> years' time or something. Or maybe Michael Phelps or something along maybe, those maybe lines. Maybe if you need a good sweeper, you could bring uh, McGregor in for a bit of physicality. But um, <laughs> It's an well, absolute joke. They're going what, in, what about in the wrong direction. Sponsorship? The fact now that they can raise their profile with Bolt and then how much money could that They're raising it in the wrong way. Put into the game. And They're raising it the, the wrong way. Isn't one of the things that you said that you wanted to get money behind the sport so that you could filter that money down to grassroots football, you could have better facilities for kids to play and you could have better coaches to coach these kids, which would then in turn With mean the people that, run that the, the future of the sport would be brighter. Wouldn't, wouldn't no. that make sense? All, all in La La Land and Care Bear Land, absolutely, <laughs> that's what would happen. But with the morons <laughs> that are running this league at the moment and the people in charge of the FFA... Absolutely not. That money will be spent on, who knows, another Star Wars round or something along those lines. So they just smash money into <laughs> people walking around news, looking boys. like Darth Vader. Hot off the press. 
Essendon have just signed Snoop Dogg to the rookie list uh, <laughs> for next season. So yeah. Should Perfect. be interesting. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Here it's we go. With, with Snoop's track record and his uh, recreational activities, yeah, he's, got, well. he's gone to the right place. Huh? <laughs> oh, here on we your go. Demo. It'll yeah, fit in well. Yellow thoughts? I was going to say, you know, to Damo's point of getting bums on seats, it's not getting bums on seats for the right reason. It's getting bums on seats because, as you guys have pointed out, it's like going to see a circus or go to it see is. a car accident. Like, yeah. you know, you don't. Well, I mean, a circus, obviously, no, you do you're pay right. and I go agree. to it. But exactly what you're saying. It's, it's just like, it's not going to see football. It's just trying to, and do you think these people are going to, like, once he leaves, do you think they're going to go, oh, geez, that Central Coast team, they're amazing. I'm going to become a member. <laughs> Correct. You it's know, A-League like, 101. It's, it's Short term and trying to cater to people That's who right. really don't give a shit about That's the right. sport. Spot on. Even if you've got 10% extra people coming to the game, what, what crowd, because you were saying, we you, were saying you were saying that they, hey, their 10% money's as good as anybody else's. Mate. For six weeks. Day, and at the end of the day, that could work out to be thousands more injected into the sport. Anyway, it looks like we'll have to agree to disagree there, possibly. I think so, yeah. No, I'm sticking to my guns when it does come to this one, to be honest with you. Um, there's no chance that I'm ever, ever going to be swayed by this particular decision. It, again, just goes to show how incompetent and stupid the FFA and the A-League are capable of being. Will it happen, though? More to the point? Will he actually be good enough, do you reckon? No, just will it happen? Will he sign? Will it happen? Seems to have some traction. Yeah. Well, he's, he's well, it's already... Well, it's a six-week six trial. Old, yeah. mate, old mate Maguire was pretty confident on it on uh, Triple M Talkback this morning, and he generally doesn't tend to yeah. break stuff that doesn't have some substance to it. So the other a, thing it, as well is like he is an look at the end of the day he is an elite athlete and you do when you are an elite athlete some people do actually have like cross sport you know like in terms of um in terms of you see some you know AFL players who could be professional golfers or professional baseball players or whatever it may be or cricketers who could be AFL players or whatever you know you never know he might have played until under 15s and he might have been I magnificent think he has. I think or he something, did play you know? as a junior well, he, there you he go, did you have know? it I understand he did didn't he um take part in a few exhibition games with Man United as well. I know they're only Possibly, testimonials but don't you see stuff, my point, Damo, that obviously the A-League want him to succeed if he comes here, but my point is if he does come and succeed and play well, don't you think that's a kick in the guts for, for the A-League, for a bloke who's never even played the sport to come in, play in a professional league and look up to standard? I, I don't, that makes the league I look really, terrible. I really, I really, I really like don't rate the standard of the A-League to begin with. But at least the players playing are professional players, though. Not are a bloke they? who's just well, I presume they are. They are. What do you mean? They are uh, professional. Half, of, half they are. of them semi-pro. Like no, none no, of them are no, semi-pro, no. Damo. Damo, come on, they're not semi-pro. It is a professional <laughs> league. But um, yeah, look, it's going to be very interesting to see it's what the happens. Fifth team he's been on trial at. I'm pretty sure, uh, and it's a six-week we trial with a view to a one-year deal. You're kidding. So if he does actually get a deal and uh, uh, gets his one one year after the six week trial, I do agree it's a massive kick in the teeth. All these guys that have actually been uh, training their whole lives, mm. uh, getting into the A League, they're going to be turning around, looking at each other like, "Well, really, that's the level that we're at." Some dude yeah. that's dedicated his life to another sport entirely has come in and secured himself a one year deal, a professional deal. So he's been knocked back by four other teams or whatever it is. Uh, look, uh, not 100% confirmed, but he's, he's, he has been on trial at other teams. Yeah. I'd mm-hmm. say this is around about probably a handful, probably his fifth that he's actually been on trial with. I don't, look, I, I dare say he wouldn't have come close uh, no. in a lot of the teams that he's actually trialed for. But, yeah, if he does actually get a one-year contract here, 
It's just going to be so, so be weird. Embarrassing, it? It it would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? It would be embarrassing. Liam will be happy considering that Melbourne City tend to pay, play Central Coast every second week, according to him, a few weeks back on the on the podcast. So I might could, get a few down Amy Park for once, but that would be could, interesting. could mean that City are pretty uh, much a shoe in for top spot. It could well be, but I think we'll leave it there on the Usain Bolt chat, boys. We could probably talk about that all night. But uh, we'll move it along, boys, and we're going to switch gears, as Damo knows I love to say, <laughs> to the <laughs> AFL. And we're actually going to do something a little bit different tonight with the footy Ooh. chat. We've got a bit of a new segment, Daniel, called the... The AFL water cooler. The water cooler. So basically just the main topics of the week that come a Monday morning, everyone around the water cooler at work's having a bit of a bit of a chinwag about. Mm-hmm. So we've got a list of topics here we're going to have a couple of opinions each on. Mm-hmm. And we'll go around the room. So we'll start off with the first topic, and that is, and it's a sad one to be honest, because it was, you know, very sad to see this happen again to this bloke, with Nick Natanui now going down with a confirmed second ACL for him. Gee, his other leg is oh, his other leg. Yeah. Does that now ruin West Coast's chance of winning the Chiefs Premiership? I'll kick off. I will say one hundred percent yes for me. I think they've had a great year, West Coast. But when it comes to the finals, and they're going to have to actually win the big dance in Melbourne, you need a gun ruckman. I just can't see them going that far. Well, without who's their backup ruckman? Lysette Scott Lysette is their backup ruckman, who's serviceable, but nowhere near uh, Nick Natanui. Um, so yeah, for me, hundred percent that ruins their season for me, Damo. Uh, I would say no, not 100%, but it is dependent on a couple of other things. It's dependent on the health of Kennedy, on Darling, yeah, they've got a great and forward line their still. midfield itself. Mm. Um, I yep. think Jack Redden was very highly rated, and he's only started to come into his own this year. Um, you've obviously also got Gaff playing really well. And the the other position that seems to be in vogue this year in AFL is the the quarterback, if you will, the halfback yeah. running running the ball through. Oh, I was going to say Yo. Elliot Yo, yeah. yeah. So, like, you look at a lot of teams who are doing well; they they tend to have that type of a player who is pretty much the designated kicker out of the back line and, and brings the ball through. So, yes, Nat Nui is a star, and yes, Nat Nui is probably crucial to team plans, but Lysette's honest enough to hold his own against most so, ruckmen yeah. like he, he has a dip and he's not he's not the worst ruckman I've ever seen no, by any stretch no. of the imagination but I wouldn't be surprised if they even still made the grand final but I don't think I could see him winning it without him in the side the, the other thing mm. is if they do manage to finish top two and the draw at home I mean even win one without the G. Yep. Out, even, oh, but still they could get to the big dance mm-hmm. yeah even that's what I'm saying Nat I think they Nui. could so um, yeah, like I, I think as long as the rest of the list can stay healthy, they're still a very, very, very strong team. Daniel? I think it's perfectly uh, said what Damo just uh, well went through just then. I, I don't think it uh, well completely diminishes their chances of actually winning the flag. I, I, I can actually still see them there alongside Richmond. I guess I, I keep looking back to when Essendon went out west and actually, well, belted the Eagles then. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess one of the main call-outs there was uh, just how well of a game Bell Chambers played. Yes, he played a fantastic game and many would say that he actually beat Nick Nat that night. He However, that night. when I was watching it, uh, probably the bigger hole, of course, was the fact that 
they had no forward line. Uh, so Again, so what I'm actually getting to over here is uh, exactly what Damo said. A serviceable ruckman who can win a few tap-outs and uh, down to that particular midfield who can just bomb it forward to uh, Darling and Kennedy, mm. they're still an absolute and gun Speaking of the French, outfit. don't forget Marc Lacroix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, because uh, that's all I want to do this week. Uh, but yeah, absolutely right. Lacroix down there as well. They, they've got the gun clientele in midfield to actually so make still a sure. premiership chance? Yes, in yeah. short. Just just one quick yeah. one. Is is there a bit of man crush on the on the on the way there? <laughs> the way Liam says the Frenchman. I tell you what, I reckon... It's actually opposite because he kicked 12 on Heath Hocking about 10 years ago. I'll yeah, never that's forget why it. You're oh, it's yeah, actually yeah. hatred demo, to be honest. <laughs> but, Nilo, thoughts on, on Nick Nat? Uh, look, I, I definitely... It'll be a huge blow to them. Whether or not it'll stop them in the premiership, it's it's very hard to say. And I know I'm fence-sitting here. Um, I mean, look, they, they as, as I think, as you said, I still think they could make it to the granny. Could they win it? I think they do need a superstar like Nit Nat to actually get it over the mm-hmm. line. Uh, saying that, though, you know, he did go off and they still won against Collingwood, who was second on the ladder. Yeah, it was a good win. At the G. Very good so, win. So, it's not like it's impossible. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate it out. But, yeah, it definitely has... Not improve their chances at all. Definitely. So I think we're 2 2 there. Two of us thinking they might be cooked, and two saying there's still a chance. So, very interesting. Now, our second topic for the water cooler discussion, fellas, is funnily enough, it also kind of revolves a little bit similar when it comes to interstate records. It's Richmond. Now, Richmond are now currently 0 4 this year while playing in a state. Mm hmm. Don't they've barely lost a game in Melbourne, if if any, to be honest. I think their only four losses have been in the state. So the question is, is it a must that they must finish top two to avoid in the state? Um, if they weren't to finish top two, could they still win the grand final? Uh, Damon, you want to kick off? I think they're pretty safe to come top two. Let's, yeah, so let, let's be realistic. So like they're they're a point, like them and West Coast are even on points. Richmond's up on percentage, but then they've still got a game break on Collingwood. And for them to not come top two come the end of the year, something would have to have crash, to wouldn't they? Cara- They'd have to lose have two to or three. Catastrophic. Um, that being said, I think they're probably a professional enough side to get the job done when it matters. They've got a lot of good players who know how to get the job done. And from where they're at at the moment, dropping a game here or there is probably not a massive concern for them. They should have won that game. I think what Castagna kicked one goal six or zero goal six or something like that on against, and they only lost by two points. So they should have realistically won that, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now, mm-hmm. had they? So I think they'd be fine, Daniel. Look, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, the fact is, they didn't. Uh, they've lost four out of the four opportunities that they've actually had to win interstate. Now, mm. finals, mm-hmm. the pressure intensifies 100-fold. Uh, you look at the interstate team well, outside of Melbourne that are in the top eight at the moment, West Coast, Sydney, Port Adelaide, and a really, really good-looking GWS outfit of late. So, they're bringing it together as well. So, look, uh, if I were to actually uh, have a gun held to my head and uh, be asked, uh, is Richmond going to finish top two? I'd say yes, but on the odd chance that they do actually slip out of the uh, top two to face one of those two teams, that makes it extremely difficult. One of those few teams, I should say, that makes it extremely difficult for them. I think uh, it's definitely in their best interest to make sure that they do finish in the top two right now. Uh, And given the pressure of this part of the season, I I think anything can happen. So they're above West Coast right uh, right now in percentage, as you actually alluded to. And then you've got three other teams breathing down their neck, being Port Adelaide, Sydney and Collingwood. 
all of which looking really, really good, and two of them from interstate. Uh, in short, I think definitely in their best interest to finish in the top two because come finals time, interstate, anything can happen. Neil? I, d- I mean, the question, can Richmond win if they don't finish in the top two? They can, but I don't think they would. I, I think they would lose interstate, to be honest. Um, I-, I think that it'd be a very, very tough ask for them to to win two games interstate when they haven't won a single one all year. So I'm going to keep it brief and say I don't think they would win if they did finish outside the top two. But saying that, again, they should finish in the top two, so they should be fine. Yeah. Though they do have Collingwood, Geelong, and Essendon coming up. So, I mean, I probably shouldn't be throwing Essendon in with Collingwood and Geelong, but <laughs> still. Be interesting. You know, be interesting, exactly. Liam, what are your thoughts on Richmond? I mean, you know, if they don't finish in the top two, can they get up? I'd agree if they didn't finish top two, they'd have a massive challenge on the hand if they potentially had to play a prelim, potentially against West Coast in Perth, Damo. But I agree with Damo. I don't see them finishing outside the top two. They really do look to be probably a step above the rest of the comp, to be honest, as much as it mm-hmm. hurts me to say. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be right, the Tigers. I think they're probably on a one-way mission straight to the grand final again, and then it's anyone's anyone's guess what happens on the big day but I think yeah Richmond's just about locks to make the grand final this year uh, we'll move it along boys the next topic in the water cooler is is the top eight set or is it still wide open uh, Daniel do you want to kick us off there what, what do you think there oh it's wide open uh, looks that way doesn't it without a doubt uh, a, a lot of people, obviously, if they are listening to the podcast and people that know me, I, I, I've kind of given up hope on uh, Essen making the uh, finals, unfortunately. I did say a few weeks ago that Adelaide were still a chance, though. So, funnily enough, Adelaide's only got 1% uh, above Essen, and that's what actually divides the two on the ladder. I'm going to stick by that, though. For some reason, I think Adelaide's uh, big and strong enough and experienced enough to actually still claw their way back into finals contention. Uh, above them also, we obviously have the Hawks and North, who are level on points with Geelong, who are sitting in 8th. So, you've got 7th to 12th currently, a game between them. 7th to 12th, a game between them. Yeah, well, uh, sorry, a game, oh, and, sorry. A, game yep. and a half. Correct. Uh, because GWS has got that draw on the board. I think they uh, drew with the Saints early on this season. Uh, but that being said, uh, look, I'll, I'll keep it short. It's going to be a fascinating end to the uh, to the season to see who does actually take out those last two spots on the ladder because I'm going to p- put my neck out and say that Melbourne's going to make it. Uh, to demo settle down, please. Uh, look, outside of that, GWS, Geelong, North Melbourne, Hawthorne and Adelaide, all a very, very good chance to take the other two spots. What are your thoughts, Nilo? It'd be harsh of North to miss out. I think they've had a great year, but saying that they haven't beaten the the good teams, I think... Let's G- put it this way then, boys. Who's currently in the eight do we think could fall out? Who, who will fall out? It's so difficult, isn't it? Mm. I reckon Geelong could fall out. I'm thinking I'm the same thing. Put it, yeah. put it out there. And look, GWS aren't a lock to get in either. I think they've had yep. too poor of a year to actually um, go out. In terms of who will go in, I think North would go in and then... Maybe one of those two teams will stay in, or, or maybe it could be an Adelaide, an Essendon, or Hawthorne. But it, it's very difficult. I, I think Essendon are probably cooked just with the percentage, but you know, never say never. I suppose. There you go, Liam. What do you reckon? I agree with you, boys. It's, it's definitely a long way from from being finalised. When you look at it, as we said, you've got seventh to twelfth, uh, not much between them at all, um, and you've got Geelong in eighth spot on 36 points, 119%, then you've got down to, say, 11th and 12th, only a game behind them, so anything could happen, long way to go, but it's good for the comp, you don't want it to be all sewn up oh, in the yeah, final eight, sure. you know, six weeks out, so um, if I had to stick my neck out, I'd say looking at the ladder right now, I think 
seeing no one else stuck their neck out, I might do it. I think Geelong might fall out. Um, and I'll say probably Hawthorne will come in. If I had to say there'll be a change to the eight, I'd say Geelong mm. out for Hawthorne. Hawthorne got a pretty good run coming home. I know they lost Sicily today to a broken wrist, which will hurt them. And they've got no McAvoy either, do they? But they've got a very good run coming up. So I think the Hawks might sneak in. But Damo, your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm pretty much with you. Anywhere from 6th to 12th is open. For 11th and 12th, so Adelaide and Essendon to come in, absolutely everything would have to go right. They'd have to win five out of six. But it's still a possibility. Hawthorne have a, a run home that's the equivalent of a you know of some butter, softer, soft as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, North Melbourne would be unlucky to not make it, but I I, th- I don't think they've been that particularly um, impressive over the last sort of few weeks. <laughs> He's uh, still any North our man. All <laughs> <laughs> years sticking fat. <laughs> Good on uh, North that Hader. being said, I, I do have to say, uh, <laughs> after this, I, I, I did have something to talk about within that game. Um, we'll get to that. So, Melbourne, GWS, and, and Geelong. So, I mean, anywhere from 6th to 12th could change. So, let's call it, though, Damo. Anyone think, comes out, who comes in? Let's call it now. I've been saying, I, I still think we'll come ninth. I think Melbourne will no, drop no, as out. In, like, we'll, Malt, really? Okay, yeah. wow. Unfortunately, Sheesh. and as much as it's going to kill me, you look at our draw, how, yeah. we've, rate, how we've gone against the top teams, um, I think that we're in big trouble. A question for you, and be honest, did you listen to the show last week? Yeah, I did. You did. Now, if you did, you would have heard that we did discuss who your boys Melbourne play in the last round with Nate last yeah, week. It's, it's not great GWS in the last round. So there is a, as we were talking about Daniel last week, there is a fair chance it could potentially come down to the winner of that game makes the eight and yep. the loser misses out. So that could be that could be massive potentially. Yeah, and I I think I believe I said it quite a few weeks ago as well that uh, I've got this really bad feeling that Melbourne's going to come ninth. So. Wow. Uh, I hope go. not. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll, I'll cheer and barrack as, as you know, as loud as the next Melbourne person. But yeah, I've got a bad feeling, and our run over the next few weeks is is not great. Let's be honest. I wonder if he's just preparing himself for the worst and hoping for the best or something like that. I you think know, he is. To he's covering all bases now, man. Up. Yeah, I think so. Keeping, the other, keeping a lid on it. The mm-hmm. other game I was going to say. On Saturday, the 11th of August, beautiful Saturday afternoon, 1.45 p.m., Hawthorne versus Geelong. That's go- that could almost that could be a big game. That could almost decide eighth spot. Yeah, realistically, that'll be a huge game, and that'll be incredibly interesting. I think we'd all agree it's still wide open, so plenty to play out in the last six weeks. Just, just one quick thing, and it's not the thing that you think I was going to talk about about mm-hmm. that game, but did any of you uh, actually watch the whole game? Which game are we North, talking about? The North Sydney game on the weekend. Bits and pieces. I have to say, I I found that to be the yeah. best game I've watched. Free-flowing, yeah. Probably all year. Mm. Out of all the games that I've seen, that was nearly the most entertaining football. Just You never knew who was going to win it right up until the last second. There were goals, there were marks, there were tackles, chase, smothers, mm-hmm. everything that you could possibly want in a game of footy. And that was there on Sunday for all to see. Good Very for the good. neutral, hey? Now, we might as well stick with that game. Now, this is a topic I'm a little bit uh, cautious to bring up because I've got two men in the room <laughs> who've got very different views on this topic. Now, for those who don't know, obviously, the two uh, boys of – are they both from Sudanese descent? Is that correct, Daniel? That is correct. I believe that's correct, yeah. Majak Daw and Alir Alir, who both played really, really well, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. Now, Nilo, there's two guys in the room here, Damo and Daniel, who have very different views on the media portrayal of, um, what would you say, their performance or mm-hmm. what would you say, Daniel, what would you call it? 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to actually put a name to it. The betrayal it. of the two of them after the game, potentially. Yeah. Yep. Now, Damo, I know you were very happy with the way it was. It all played out and the, the publicity it got for the African community to show the, the showcase the two youngsters playing. Well, I guess Majak's not that young anymore, but the two African boys playing so well at AFL level and what it means to the community. Um, do you want to expand a bit on your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was good for footy. When you talk about, like, I guess even to take a few of Daniel's points out of the um, A-League discussion before, Mm -hmm. was good publicity to show, um, you know, a lot of kids that, you know, you apply yourself, this is what you can achieve. Um, I think as far as the athleticism of those two people in particular, I mean, if you, once again, I watched the whole game and I thought that was scary good yeah. how how good at points some of the uh, you know some of the things that they did it wasn't just them though like I said that was the best game I saw all year Buddy was up and about Ben Brown but in particular great. let's but stick no, with no no getting getting back to that mm-hmm. I thought the athleticism shown by those two boys was was uh, well above average and I think you know it could be considered a breakout game for possibly both of them but do you think more so what do you think it does for the African community like we all know there's been a lot of Unfortunately, you'd have to say negative discussion in the media about mm-hmm. certain corners of the African community with what's going on in the, in Melbourne at the moment. Do you mm-hmm. think it was just good to have a real positive story yeah, about the African 100%. community? Is that where you're getting at with it? Or? Definitely. I think it gives hope to a lot of people that maybe if you apply yourself in positive ways that positive outcomes can occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it, it'll... Make a lot of AFL recruiters be aware of that's true. You know, spreading their win- wings and and casting the eye a little bit further as mm-hmm. far as um, athletes are concerned out there. Maybe not just necessarily in footy, but basketball and and yep. a few other sports as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's great for grassroots footy. It, it could open a, a whole new portal into a you know a, a vast number of potential yep. AFL Oz kickers players and so on. So basically, overall, you saw it as just a really yeah, happy, I thought, good story. I thought, I thought it was a it was a great great story. Yep. Now the man sitting opposite you did see it a bit differently. Daniel, do you want to let everyone know where you're coming from? With yeah, that? I, I just actually, I, I think it's opportunistic. And um, the main reason why is that no no less than a, a week ago, look, I think it's just agenda-driven by the AFL and Channel 7 as well. So Channel 7 around about a week ago did a story that was completely different to what they actually did on uh, Aaliyah and Daw. So they basically came out and, look, this isn't sports-related, but at the no, same time, right. they actually completely nailed the Sudanese community and put them all into one little pigeonhole, put everyone Gee, into one little pigeonhole, basically fear-mongering, telling everyone that every Sudanese immigrant that's uh, landed in Melbourne is somehow part of a street gang. Now... It was, I, I watched that show. It was very negative towards... I'll agree it's, with it's absolutely putrid and it's pathetic by Channel 7, but again, we're a sporting podcast. My point about this particular one is that it's an opportunistic, uh, well, it, uh, 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 showing by the AFL to actually come out and, well, talk about Dora and, and Ali over here. Yes, they actually both played well. Neither of them have... Uh, well, how many games have they played? Magic's played a little, quite a few. A a little, not that little, many. They both would have played less than 50, though. Yeah, less than 50 as well. Now, my point as well, if we're going to start talking about inclusiveness and whatnot, I mean, can we just talk about the fact that of how common it is of pe- with people of Sudanese or Kenyan or, or Nigerian descent to, to be actually playing in, you know, NBA, basketball, the NSL, the old school NSL, the, the soccer leagues over here in Australia and mm. the A-League. A point that I wanted to actually... King Kenny. Uh, King Kenny, exactly. 
My point exactly, Neil. So, AFL community is getting excited by diversity of two Sudanese Aussies across two clubs with total senior squads of how many? 80 players in a senior squad? I think it's a bit less. But no, no, it's about 45. Including your reserves and yeah. uh, oh, who's actually reserves. able yeah, for suppose, selection. Yeah. Yep. It's around 80 Aussie players that are actually available for selection across 18 different teams. And now they've got two Sudanese Aussies across two clubs. Last season, for an example, if we're going to talk about it, Melbourne Victory Football Club, one of 12 teams in the A-League mm-hmm. with a senior squad of 18, mm-hmm. had Deng of Sudanese uh, descent, Atiu of Sudanese descent, and Geria of Ugandan descent. Mm-hmm. Not once do they glorify or spotlight uh, the fact that they have these three gentlemen playing in one team what's, what's that of African to, descent. Have you missed my point entirely, Dave? What's Damo? that got to do with the price of fish? AFL is the number one sport in the country. So is it the number one sport in the world? In this country where we live, it but is. But is it the number one sport far. in the world? But what, you think Channel Seven's going to run their top a news story on a sport that's ranked third or fourth in the country. No, they're going to. I'm not talking about Channel Seven what? anymore. Channel Seven, I spoke about when they pigeonholed the entire Sudanese community to be a part of a street gang. What I'm actually talking about here is the opportunism of the AFL to actually broadcast the fact that there's two Aussie Sudanese blokes across two clubs. But when you say the AFL, what are they doing? It was Channel, it was Channel Seven. Channel Seven's broadcast. Oh, and you think the AFL didn't have anything to do the with Herald that? The Herald Sun went pretty hard on it too. I think Mark Robinson mm. was pretty up and about about it all. Uh, AFL media, Mark Robinson. But, uh, I, I still don't get what you're trying to say. You're saying that it's a disadvantage. I'm saying it's to- common. It's common and it shouldn't be glorified. It, it, it's a common thing. What, what, that two young players had breakout games and they got a bit of recognition? Or? No, not for that whatsoever. But now it's turned into this political kind of angle. I where get it. Yeah, I think it's it's they're trying to give themselves a pat on the back for having two out of 400, 500 players, whereas you know Melbourne Victory had three. You exactly, know, and it's not, and we it's not it's not a big deal. And I'm not saying this to start code wars or anything along those lines. That's far from what I'm actually saying. I'm just saying it's common in world yeah. sport. I I personally didn't take that from it. I saw the the articles as well. Yes, they said that they were of Sudanese heritage, but I mean. Go back and watch the game. That those boys were electric. Like they really, really Not were. They and they that was their no, breakout yeah. game. And to me, when I saw the stories, when I saw the articles, that's what I took on took out of it. So I think I don't know, maybe perception's reality and maybe it's you know, different for some people to see, but maybe not because I didn't see it that way. I, I saw them report on two kids that had their breakout games mm-hmm. and, and were outstanding. They did. Saw it differently. I can see both sides of where Daniel and Damo are both coming from. Just one point, though, to add to it. I get what, what Daniel, you're saying, that to have players of African descent, and not just African, but any nationality is so common, in obviously in soccer, NBA, mm. other sports and so on. But I think the reason that you have to remember that in the Australian national game, obviously AFL, over our whole lives and our parents' lives, you have to say that 95% of AFL players are either Anglo-Saxon, European background or Aboriginal, and that's it. So when there is they – they haven't had the history of African players playing in it. So when there is only a couple playing for the first time – and Magic Door was the first player of African descent, I believe, to ever play AFL. Mm-hmm. 
in some ways it kind of is a big deal because it hasn't happened before though, Daniel. I know you're saying in, in soccer it's no big deal because it happens every week for every team around the world and has been for 50 years. Mm. But it actually hasn't happened in AFL. So when it has happened for the first time, is it really such a bad thing for them to cel- not celebrate it but obviously make note of it and, and you know say how great it is that it's happening and that the game's expanding? I suppose... No, Daniel, it- can I get his answer? Okay. I, I'd, I'd talk to their games like Damo just did and uh, say they actually had a fantastic game and not broadcast mm. the fact that they're both of African descent because it's mm. got nothing to do with it. They are talented young men that came out and had their breakout games like Damo mm. said, which I'm not taking away from you whatsoever mm-hmm. at all, not even for a second. But it just feels like that there's almost a political agenda behind it when they start broadcasting the fact that they're both from uh, African descent. It look, for me, it just honestly made me uncomfortable. Interesting. Nilo? I think that as well, the AFL emphasising it that like it can give Sudanese kids something to aspire to. Yeah, for I think sure. That, I think that was a little bit... Like what what Dan's saying is, well, they've already got things to aspire to, you know, if if that's what they, you know, they shouldn't come out and be the hero and say, oh, hello, you know, you can play AFL, you know, this is, this is going to be your life dream and this is going to get you off the streets or what have you. Mm -hmm. When they they can already play basketball, they they can already play soccer. They They can can already already be doctors. They can already be whatever they want to be. Could you imagine how patronizing that would be to a young Sudanese kid who's starting to be a doctor or a lawyer? If you reach for the stars, kid, you can be just like Magic. Well, sorry, no, I want to go to university I, right. I, I want to better myself in terms of an education I don't want to play AFL just mm. because you're telling mm. me that I have to play AFL to make something of myself it's, it's yeah, condescending and patronising yeah. in my view Damo any last thoughts on that I I didn't take it like that so I remain with sort of how you know I felt about the situation fair enough I, I can understand Daniel may feel differently about it but I didn't take it like that, uh, and um, you know that's that's my take on it. That's my there opinion. That's very, a good chat, good boys. It's good point. to hear. Yeah, it's a very good talking point. We're not afraid I t- to. I tell you what, there could have nearly been a couple of chairs being thrown each way over this table. It's been tonight. a heated episode. I, 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 I've been at the centre of uh, a couple almost. To be honest, I'm going to watch my back walking out of the building tonight. This episode is going to be is going to be titled Fight Club, Neil. I've already decided it. <laughs> Fight Club on iTunes. Get around it. Um, I think we'll we'll finish up there, boys, with the water cooler segment. It's been a very interesting first AFL water cooler segment. Actually, need some water to cool down after that. It's uh, very heated in <laughs> just, here. Just very quickly, one word answer to my question, boys, okay. real quick. Is Max going a chance to win the Brownlow this year? Yes, definitely. Nilo? Yes. Yes again. I think I think Maxie's a big chance, and we fear the beard, and we love Big Maxie in our house, and um, yeah, I, I think he's a big chance. Seven dollar current second favourite to win the Brownlow. As a ruckman as well, that'd be a pretty impressive effort. I can't remember. Who was the last ruckman to win it? Uh, Scott Wind, I believe, or Dogs. it could have been Jim Steins. I'm pretty sure they've won the in consecutive yeah, years. Yeah, so that was years and years ago, and so that was midfielders' you know, medals. Obviously quite a long time ago, but no, no, go Maxie. Mm. There you go. But that was the first edition of the Water Cooler Boys. I think that'll be coming back like next it. week. That was very good. Uh, but to finish off, we've got back after a little sabbatical, this segment. It's back tonight and it's our top three segment. And we're doing tonight, Damo, the top three. Chicken Palmer's in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, maybe that's next week, but tonight is. Sporting rivalries. Top three sporting favourite rivalries that we have or we like to kick off. I might kick off myself, actually, with this one. Um, I'm going to kick off with my third. Now, this is two individuals. It's not two teams. But I've just absolutely loved their battles over the last 
10 years, probably 15 years now. It's just great to watch. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this one. You may well. That's Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. Mm -hmm. These two have been slugging it out for so long at the top of their game. It's Mm. incredible. And it's incredible more so, Daniel, that they're still two of the best players in the world now. (laughs) And they're about five years older than us, which is just absolutely extraordinary. (laughs) I know. Um, So, yeah, that is one of the best rivalries. I think it's a rivalry. It's a, what would you call it, a healthy rivalry. They've got a lot of respect for each other. Mm. Um, They don't hate each other. But just the rivalry watching go at it for so long has been brilliant to watch. Even as not a huge tennis fan, I massively respect it. You could say it's a gentleman's rivalry too. It's it's not something that's sort of ever... To take in the other side there's never been snipes either side of the fence or anything like that it's just alright who's the best and let maybe exactly. the best man win exactly mm. number two I'm going with and this is a little bit uh, self-indulgent but Damo will like this Anthony Mundine versus Danny Green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These two have nice. a rivalry going for about 20-odd years Top now. Top three rivalries in sporting history. No, my favourites. My favourite rivalries this is, mate. Uh, Anthony Mundine versus Danny Green. For those who don't know, these two finally fought after about 10 years of verbal sparring. Back, I think it might have been about 05, their first fight. And Mundine won very convincingly. They then talked smack to each other about another 10 years and eventually fought again. And Green got the business there and it was one all uh, after it. But that's a rivalry that's been going on for literally almost 20 years, Damo, would you say? Yeah, it'd be about that. Extraordinary stuff. So that, that's my number two. Now, my number one, this is two teams. Now, I'm not a fan, obviously, of either team because obviously being Australian, but I'd massively respect the rivalry between these two, and that's the Indian and Pakistan cricket teams when they oh, play each other. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the three men in the room will attest, the th- we have over the years worked with a few individuals uh, who may have uh, grown up in either country. Yep. So we we appreciate how much it means to them. Both countries absolutely shut down when they play. <laughs> Sometimes actually go to war after, after the game. That's how big it is. But uh, that's a rivalry which is just deep-seated on many levels. And, yeah, when they play each other, look out. I have to say there's three of my lists gone. But anyway. <laughs> there you go. We'll give you time to work on your list then. Let's swing it over to Daniel. Very good. Thank you for that one, uh, Liam. Uh, I'll get straight into it as well. I think uh, I'm going to put my number three rivalries, uh, well, between two clubs that still do exist but don't play, uh, well, competitively in Australia's number one football league anymore, and that's the Melbourne Knights versus South Melbourne Football Club. Oh, yep. There you go. I grew up watching this rivalry, and as a kid, it was something that you genuinely looked forward to. The rivalry was so, so fierce to the point that if you're under the age of 18, you better have an adult. Uh, accompanying you uh, to these particular <laughs> games. So, always got messy, always got really, really heated and uh, all in all, just a lot of fun to be around. So, Knights and South, uh, my number three. Number two, uh, I'm going to have to say Carlton Football Club and Essendon Football Oof. Club. Now, oh, yeah. I've been to my fair share of games between Carlton Blues and Essendon and I dare say it always actually ends up with uh, my good self having some words with a, uh, a random Carlton supporter. <laughs> I don't usually get chirpy at the uh-huh. Essendon games. I usually go there and I just cheer on the boys, but there's something about those Blues fans that actually just gets <laughs> under my skin. Uh, and you know what? Credit to them. They're, they're, they're good for it as well, so they can, uh, they can take it as, as, as good as they cop it. Uh, but my number one favourite rivalry around the world would have to be Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Yeah. Yes. El Clasico for me is one of the best fixtures in world sport, if not the best. 
always the best mm. players in the world are actually showcased in this derby and you can guarantee that there's going to be drama. So, I genuinely miss a relative's wedding for this particular game to watch wow. it live. Uh, it's a- an absolute corker, time in, time out. So, number three, the Knights versus South. Number two, Carlton versus Essen in, in the AFL. And number one, El Clasico. So, I'm going to throw it over to Damo. All right, we'll see if we've got any of the list remaining, boys. Um, <laughs> obviously, I did have uh, a few there. India, Pakistan, Nadal, Federer. I think they're great rivalries. Um, my number three rivalry would be Celtic Rangers. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. It's pretty much equivalent to the Israelis and the Palestinians. Pistols at five paces and um, sweep the eyeballs up after closing. Uh, definitely a big rivalry, a lot to do with a religion and tends to get very messy every mm-hmm. single time. The old firm, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, number two, state of origin, New South oh, Wales yes. and Queensland. Yeah, very good good Massive rivalry. Uh, I had the, uh, the pleasure. pleasure of being at the MCG a couple of months back for origin number one, one mm-hmm. and 95,000 there. And we happened to be camped just behind the Queensland fans and the noise they make boys and some of the stuff that some of the verbal uh, barbs that get thrown uh, across the bays is is quite entertaining they don't mind letting the fish go do they in the origin it's it's (laughs) full on and i think some of the the best uh memories of of the biff in sport do do tend to happen in in origin and um yeah terrific rivalry my number one rivalry and um some may be surprised by this because it isn't my strongest sport but lakers celtics um, or even NBA. further, Very yeah, nice. yeah, or even further to that, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I think Amazing. going through yeah. the eighties, massive rivalry, and there's actually the best documentary I've ever seen. Thirty for thirty, uh, thirty for uh, thirty, best of enemies. Yep. actually takes you through the uh, rivalry right from the sixties, yep. right up until the late eighties, and a it's fantastic. Series, I, I think, for memory, I think yeah. there's about uh, five and episodes. I watched the whole lot within it, about a week. It it's was fantastic, really, really good, and yeah, so. Uh, that would be my number one just rivalry. With that, just with them two, we shouldn't forget, now with LeBron and his former sidekick Kyrie, now both at LA and Boston, Correct. that rivalry's about to heat up again. Mm. I think, think all the season tickets are already sold, boys. I think it, it's big business, those two teams. And I think the, the, it'll never, I don't know, in my opinion, be as good as, as Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, like the teams that they had back in that time. And, and yep. the, the, the caliber of those two individuals in particular um, could fit in any era and be stars yep. even today. Um, but yeah, fantastic rivalry. But anyway, on to Nilo. I must say that I did have a lot that no one's mentioned. So I'm going to give some runners up here and I hope you guys Honorable don't mind. Mentions. I hope you guys don't mind. I think. Uh, Two with Liverpool, Liverpool Manu and Liverpool Everton. Everton. Absolutely. Absolutely sensational. I don't miss Good those ones. games at all ever. Um, Boca versus River Plate. Love it. Sampras versus Agassi back yes. in the 90s. That was absolutely magnificent. So when Agassi was wearing the bandana back in the 90s? <laughs> yeah, that's would exactly have been, right. Yeah. Uh, Red Sox versus the Yankees. No one's mentioned that. Another that is good a one, yeah. huge, huge rivalry. But I'm going to say my number third most favourite rivalry is Melbourne Victory versus Sydney Football oh, Club. Oh, a new one. I like it. Big Blue. Uh, you know, every single game there's something. There's a lot of tension. I think Melbourne versus Adelaide has a lot of tension in it. But Melbourne-Sydney is just next level and it's always absolutely fantastic. Um, number two. 
my favourite is Essendon versus Collingwood. Obviously, Anzac Day, but yeah. even before that, um, you know, absolute some rivalries, great some great battles, terrific. And number one, I would say, would have to be the Ashes. Um, you know, just yes. e- e- England versus Australia. Um, you know, y- you hear all the chants, you hear all the, um, you know, the passion from both sides of fans. And look, I, you know, uh, quite often when it's in England, I won't miss a ball, you know, and it'll require me staying up till 2 a.m. and what have you. But it'll be fantastic. Ashes series, the best series of cricket you've Incredible. ever seen. Incredible. It was just oh, fantastic. I can, I can think of a few. That one was phenomenal. The one in England. No better place to be, though, on Boxing Day. I know what you're saying in, mm. in England, but it, no better place to be than Boxing Day MCG. Oh, yeah, mm. for sure. Uh, Australia, Ashes. England, Ashes. I think Day. I may have oh, even yeah. done it with you one year, Damo. We may yeah, have been there Boxing Day. I believe day. we had one mate that went home early, but... Um, yeah, that's another story. Anyway, that's a story <laughs> for another day. Uh, Shout out to that, mate. Yeah. Uh, I did just have one final honourable mention that I forgot to mention just real quickly, and it's for our uh, for our follower Shauna, who always gets around us, who always shares our good friend posts. of the show, as we say, Daniel. Um, yeah, fantastic follower, uh, Alan Prost and Anton Senna in Formula oh, yes. One. That yep. was a fantastic was. rivalry, and arguably two of the best drivers of all time. Mm-hmm. Shauna, that one's for you. There you go. Any other honourable mentions, boys? Well, Anyone's missed? Give it to West Indies in Australia as well. Ooh, when, uh, yes. the West oh, Indies in were the at day, the peak yeah. of their powers, that was phenomenal cricket. Probably the last time that I actually tuned in was and was a hundred percent into it. <laughs> you were a hundred percent into the West Indies, weren't you? From I was. I'm surprised Liam didn't give Mark and Steve War a run. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we finish on cricket, just one thing that I did see on the news. This is away from the top three. Did you see on the news, Neilo and Damo, especially that the Big Bash has now came out and said that. Uh, Smith and Warner will not be allowed to play in the Big oh, Bash wow. as well. I was reading this today. Which I think is the right move. I think just cop your one-year ban. Like, don't even be seen in it's the Big Bash. It's a Cricket Australia-based tournament, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure. It's, it's a franchise-based. It's a domestic based, competition. Yes, domestic. I, I, suppose, I don't I believe yeah. it's not uh, international it's, it wouldn't fall under the umbrella of Cricket Australia, or would it? Or? it. Well, uh, just on that, boys, did you mm-hmm. see how much Davey Warner got paid to go over and play in Canada? No. No. A um, hundred grand. Gee whiz. Unbelievable. Gee whiz. So, so he's not short of a is buck, that is right? Like, I mean, he's, he's banned from international cricket. He's supposed to be serving a punishment, and he goes and makes 100 large. I can see both sides of it. A, he's still got to put food on the table and look after his family. And He wouldn't be short of a dollar, he mate, wouldn't let's be, be honest. But I'm sure he's probably got five mortgages and so forth with the amount of money he'd have. True, but true. I also think you should just cop your suspension and just don't be seen for a year. When you you know you do don't the crime, you do the time. Don't Steve, be commentating. Poor exactly. Steve Smith tried to do it. He ran all the way to New York, and he still had cameras following yeah. him. Disgraceful. But uh, I think we'll leave it there, boys, with the top three, Neil. I was going to say another rivalry, Australia versus India, in India. Yes. That's an Australia amazing. with everyone in the cricket, no, no, exactly. It? Australia with well everyone in the cricket. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Liam. But uh, I think we're almost done for this evening, boys. Now, I've just quickly seen something that's just uh, hot, off the, hot off the press here. Breaking, Daniel, you might like this. Go on. I've just had a quick look on Twitter, and the number one trending thing around the world right now is the AFL water cooler, which is uh, <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone global, that segment already, Damo. You actually had me for a second. Daniel and Damo's <laughs> heated, heated exchange in the water cooler has, uh, yeah, gone global. So make sure you uh, check that out. Um, but I think that's it for this evening, boys. Um, it's been a long show. It's been a great show. We've really enjoyed it tonight. Um, any fiery final, show. Very fiery show. I'm going to let Daniel and Damo go cool off and maybe have a cold shower. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a huge show. Thanks again. Cheers. 